listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. John chapter number 8. I'm going to start a series that will take us in and through many, many months of, of the summer, um, just knowing some I'll be away, and then we'll have Brother Tomlinson speak, and so it's going uh, to take, um, I, don't, I don't know how many weeks this will be, but I've entitled the series this, Lies That Are Shaping Our World. Lies that are shaping our world. Now, I will tell you that there might be, throughout the course of this series, there might be some moments when we might feel a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, so I just want us to know that because what happens is is some lies have shaped, you know, they've shaped our country in uh, ways. And so I want us to allow the Holy Spirit and to allow the Word of God to lean in and press in on us uh, as we are... Uh, as we're going to look at this different thing. You know, so why, I want to ask a few questions. Why is the unconverted world so easily enamored with Satan's lies? I want you to think of that. Why, why are they so easily enamored? Why do sinners eagerly, eagerly and gullibly swallow foolish notions about their own innate goodness uh, as, well as, the, as well as the afterlife? And why do they embrace self-apparent nonsense about the reality of truth while rejecting the absolute unquestionable truth of Scripture? And so the very first lie that I'd like to address here uh, this morning would be this lie, and then I want and then, and then to pray and ask God to bless our uh, time together. And it would be this, believe whatever you want. Believe whatever you want. Would you agree with me that that is a lie that the world is selling today? Hey, you just believe whatever you want. So let's ask the Lord to bless this series in this time. Father, I come before you, and uh, Lord, I'm so thankful to be back home. Just, uh, just e- e- even Friday, walking the property and walking in through, uh, Lord, the, uh, the, the auditorium here, I was just overwhelmed with just emotion of how much we love this place. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful to be a tool that you can use uh, in other ministries at times, but God, I'm so thankful uh, to be able to, 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 to be with our people. There's nothing like, uh, Lord, just the body of believers that, you've, uh, that you have placed here and that you allow me the, the, the privilege to, uh, to just be uh, the, the, the under-shepherd uh, under you of just helping our people grow. And God, I thank you for the direction that you've uh, laid on my heart over the last several weeks as uh, Andrew has been uh, teaching us, and thank you for even some of that break to get ahead on some study, and uh, thank you for his willingness to, uh, to teach us. But Lord, now as we embark on uh, just this journey of dissecting some of the lies that uh, are completely shaping our world, shaping the uh, just all, all different aspects of it, that Lord, you'd help us to, uh, to counteract that with, uh, with truth. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would, as we start this morning, that you would, that you'd give us a hunger for this series. And uh, Lord, I also pray that you give me wisdom as I 
as I teach it and as I uh, proclaim your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at some of these primary lies that, that Satan is dominating our world with. These, these lies, they drive the world's philosophy, they drive the world's morality, and they drive the world's ideology. Uh, they shape the, uh, the sinner's worldview and they snare him in a grip of Satan's influences. And increasingly, these lies are infiltrating even the church. They're corrupting the gospel and they're, they're confusing God's people. Uh, the darkness of an unbelieving heart can only be penetrated by the light of the gospel. And uh, in, in man in its, in its fallen state, uh, it's the light of the gospel that will, that, that will penetrate that. And so to that end, I want to expose these lies. I want to give you some biblical tools to combat them as you are uh, in, intersecting in your life with maybe family and friends and you're, just, uh, you're engaged with different people. What, what can we do? What are, some, uh, what, what are some tools to combat them? I want you to understand the gospel truth and the, how that, the, it contradicts Satan's deceptions uh, and, so, and, how, and how to stand faithfully for truth in the world that's dominated by lies. So Satan's been ongoing with his lies ever since Adam's fall uh, in the garden with Adam and Eve. I want you to notice how Jesus describes, Jason, uh, excuse me, Jesus describes, not Jason, hello, <laughs> sorry, Byfield, <laughs> Satan, uh, those are two are not the same, sorry about that. Look at verse 44 of John, there was Jesus and John, and I just threw in another J there, sorry about that. John 8, verse 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so Satan's activities have always been counterfeit and opposing to the God of all truth. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. The devil, he knows that, that sinners love to, they love to suppress the truth. Romans chapter 1, look at verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So they, so they hold the truth. If we're, we're actually going to dissect uh, chapter one later on, uh, and but you know they, they've been given conscience, they've been given creation, and they're, they're, what they're really doing is they're, they're suppressing uh, the, uh, the, the, the truth. And so Satan continually feeds unbelievers with a barrage of seductive and persuasive lies, lies. But he, what's even more disturbing to me is that some of these lives, they have had some significant inroads into the uh, visible truth and, 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 and the, the church and everything, and we've got to be very careful of that. So Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with, who knows it? Truth. So we've got the armor of God that we're to play, put on, and so the very first thing is that we're supposed to have our loins girt about with truth and having a breastplate of righteousness. And so my first point here uh, this morning is we 
start this kind of uh, this series would be lying about the truth. Lying about the truth. Turn to Genesis three, please. Genesis chapter three. Sometimes we go through studies of verse by verse. That's predominantly what I do. But this particular series will be more of kind of just understanding a concept. Genesis chapter 3. At the heart of all devilish seductions is the assault on the very nature of truth itself. It's Satan's primary strategy and it always has been. Look at verse number 1 of Genesis chapter number 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Do you see that? Do you see how he interacts there? Yea, hath God said. He's, he's questioning the validity or the truth of what God said. Now what did God say? If you go earlier into chapter number 2, God's basically saying, hey, you can eat of any tree in this garden, in the Garden of Eden. You can eat of any of them. But there's one tree, it's in the midst of it. And it's the, it, you, you, you can't eat of that tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And so Satan comes along and he begins to just, he begins to rattle the cages a little bit, begins to engage in a conversation about, about truth. And about how, how, you know, he's trying to say, you know, did, did God really say that? And so today the scheme lives on in that lie. And here's what it is. Truth is relative. Truth is relative. Forty years ago, Francis Schaeffer said in How Should We Then Live? Notice what he said. This was like 40 years ago. We should note this curious mark of our age. The only absolute allowed is the absolute instance that there is no absolute. And let, let, let me say that again. That the, the curious mark of our age, like 40 years ago, the only absolute allowed is the absolute instance that there is no absolute. So Schaefer's summary uh, in this book of relativism is a response to Chief Justice Fred Vinson, who 20 years earlier, so about, we're talking about 60 years ago, here's what, here's what he said. Nothing is more certain in modern society than the principle that there are no absolutes. All concepts are relative. Now let me say that again and see if you can catch anything. Nothing is more certain, okay, did you catch it? In modern society, that the principle that there are no absolutes, all concepts are relative. So tragically, what happened is, here is Vincent failed to see the, the logical fallacy of his own statement, of, of his own logic, and that's what I want to expose here over the next 20 minutes or so. He was absolutely sure that there were no absolutes. You, you, you following that? So what, what, what Vincent should have recognized is that a self-evident lie has been embraced as the mantra of a postmodern uh, culture. And so the only fixed truth is to believe in, or to paraphrase, paraphrase Schaefer, is that all truth is relative. That's the only fixed truth, is that all of it is relative. It's just a t total, it's, just, it's honestly it's just a little bit of craziness. So they, they say here that, that, that lying about the truth, so it, it's not real. 
let me say secondly, no God, no truth. And in addition to being an assault on the nature of truth, relativism is an idolatrous lie. Because here's why. It sets man up as the sovereign arbiter, so to speak, of what truth really is. And it lets you say, all right, well, this is, this is truth to me, and this is truth to you. And what it does is it elevates man to a place of idolatry. It, place, it places you and I as the sovereign, as the one that gets to determine what is right and what is truth and what is wrong. It removes every external objective standard and it places you squarely as the sovereign, as the one that gets to decide. And so it definitely has eliminated this relativism, this postmodern, we're actually even beyond that. We're no longer even a Christian nation. I think I've, uh, I've taught on that back in uh, about a year and a half ago when we, when we did a study on what is truth. Uh, but especially when we're talking about truths of God that's revealed in His Word. That's completely been just sidebarred. And so when we, when we do that, the approach is, of course, doomed to fail. Truth cannot be adequately explained, recognized, or understood, or defined without God at its source. And here's the reason why. He's the only one that's eternal, and He's the only one that is self-existent. He's the only one that, of course, created all of us. And so he is, the, in a sense, the fountain of truth. And if you and I do not believe that this morning, try to define truth without referencing a deity. Try to define truth without referencing, without referencing God. And see how quickly that, 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 that definition is going is to fail. The moment you and I begin to ponder the essence of truth, you are brought face to face, or I'm about to say, you're brought face to face with the requirement of a universal absolute. And I believe that is the eternal reality of God. God is the one that is, gives, us the, gives us the absolute. But if we're going to try to define truth in some way, if, if all of us, and I won't do that this morning, say, hmm, what is true to you and what is true to you? That's dangerous, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But if we, if we were going to try to define what is true, how do you do so without an absolute truth? How do you do so without a standard? How do you do, how do, you do so without you and I coming to a common agreement on something to then form our argument? to then form the way that we are going to articulate things. And so if you and I, if we can't come to a form of an absolute where, where, where there's some form of, of common ground, where there's some form of just absolute truth, then the whole concept of truth instantly becomes nonsense as soon as people attempt to remove the thought of God from their minds. This worldview is fully entrenched in our day-to-day -day lives. How often have you heard someone say something like this? Well, that's that's your truth. You know, that that yeah, yeah hey, I'm I'm cool with that. That that's what you believe. But this is what I believe. Okay, it's just it's really it's in our society. What's true for you? Ha, that might not be true for me, or other expressions of similar things. 
the relativism of our day is almost impossible to avoid. You and I were regularly exposed to mainstream media that promotes an ideological narrative rather than report the facts. They're going to spew what, 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 what they're thinking. And by the way, that is on uh, a liberal side as well as a conservative side. People are just, they, they, don't want to deal with the, they don't want to deal with the facts. We've been joking lately uh, about, you know, like presidential debates and things and how they don't ever answer the question. You know, the question is posed and they just, you know, they do a strong man or whatever the case is, all different kinds of uh, ways to not answer the question. And what happen is, is they'll give the ideological narrative rather than the real facts. Society is increasingly uncomfortable with moral absolutes like good and evil. They're uncomfortable with that. The world does not want to hear that something is evil. They don't want to hear it. Because in their mind, they've deemed that it's good. They've deemed that it's okay. And why? Because we have elevated ourselves as to the sovereign, the one that says, hey, if there's no absolutes, if there's, if there's no starting ground, if there's, if there's no God, if he's, if he's not written you know, uh, character and things under the table of our hearts and given us a conscience and all of those things, well then, I can become God and I can do whatever I want. And so the public discourse is driven by subjective facts instead of objective truth. By and large, people in general can no longer reason. You ask them, why do you believe that? They can't answer. And I'll be honest with you, some of that you can put on the, 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 the shoulders, at least in churchhood, would be on some of the shoulders of leaders, of teachers. However, you and I ought to be studying on our own. So we ought to be uh, like, uh, like people that we've learned about in the Word of God to where we can have a reasonable answer. So even the clear biological distinction of gender are under attack. All you've got to do is do some research about Converse this week. All you've got to do, do a little bit of research this week. Look up what did Converse do this week? And you'll see that our world is torn between what is, um, what is absolute truth. And so uh, the determining criteria today is no more than just a personal preference. Hmm, well, this is just what I prefer. And gender confusion is just the tip of the iceberg. Today, people choose to identify as infants. They identify as animals. They identify even as objects. Now, of course, even in our crazy world, there are still some limitations to this madness. Try getting on a plane tomorrow and having your coach seat and going up to a, to a stewardess on that plane and say, you know what, I want to identify today as a first-class passenger. Yeah, that's not going to fly, is it, Will? Would, that wouldn't fly on your flight, would it? No. Or, let's say, you know what, I want to I identify today as Sonia, and I'd like to borrow your checking account. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but, but we see like, some of it, there, there, are still, there are still rules today. There are still some, some absolute truths in, in our world. But these practical limitations happen in real life experience because even the most hardcore of relativists inherently know that the belief system isn't true. Their theory simply cannot function once reality sets in. 
And that is why they do not extend the subjective approach to traffic signals. Well, you know what? I just want to go right now. And so I'm going to go. I'm going to identify that light as green, and I'm going. Or to bank statements, or to gravity. Well, I just don't believe in gravity anymore. It's an absolute truth, guys. Unless we change it, of course, with a plane or something. Their unspoken acknowledgement of certain absolute truths ultimately verified God's diagnosis of the religion of no God. So if there's no God, listen, there's no truth. See, Absolutely. And so I don't believe those that are caught up in relativism, they're not ignorant. They're not even uneducated. I believe there, as Paul says here, that they're holding the truth in unrighteousness. Or if I can put it this way, I kind of already put it this way. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So if there's no God, then there's there's no real truth. But let me come to our third point here, and that would be this mindset of, ah, just believe whatever you want. It's infiltrating the church. And the obvious sanctuary for, from postmodern relativism should be among God's people, right? Paul told us, he's talk, talking to Timothy, that the church is the pillar and ground of, do we know it? In 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is to be the pillar and ground of truth. So the church should be immune from the world's lies that all the truth is relative. But that's simply not the case. Relativism rears its ugly head every time someone asks the question, hmm, well, what does this mean to you? Now, I'm not saying that we can't have a a nice conversation where we are talking about a Scripture, but ultimately it isn't just of, you know, know, no Scripture is given of any private interpretation. Now, literally what that that means is, is that you don't just take one verse out and you say, hmm, there's my doctrine. No, you've got Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. But there's this also danger of, hmm, here's what I think this is. And then saying that that is fact and that is truth. So sometimes you will hear me occasionally say that I believe. And then what I want you to know is that this is, this is just something that I'm, you know, I don't fully know the answers. I even heard Andrew say that a couple times over the weeks that he was teaching. You're talking about prophecy. You're talking about the book of Daniel. Uh, it can be a little bit crazy. And then he would say, This is just from my study what I believe. And I really, really appreciated that, Andrew, a lot. And so we've got to be careful of this. It's evident whenever a pastor argues from a subjective experience rather than from Scripture. It happens every time believers redefine and establish doctrine according to their own preferences. Nowhere Nowhere is the church's fight for the truth more vital, honestly, than its own backyard. A couple weeks ago, remember, we're reading through the book of Mark and preaching through that, we're talking about how, you know, a lot of times the most dangerous things are when it could be in its own, your, your very own backyard, but it's not preaching Christ. It's not preaching uh, the Word of God. And we looked at the Gospel according to the Pharisees. So you and I, we can't turn a blind eye to doctrinal relativism and spiritual compromise. These threats that we, we, we've got to take seriously. Jude tells us, but behold, or beloved, excuse me, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered 
unto the saints. You and I, we cannot afford to be apathetic. You and I cannot afford to not get into Scripture for ourselves and to find out what God's Word says for ourselves and study matters out. Get yourself a concordance. Begin to do word studies. Things like that. All of those things can be helpful to you. Paul told Timothy, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. So you and I who love Christ and you and I who, who believe truth, Okay, we've, got to, we, we've got to embody that. We've got, to, we've got to be willing to teach. We must be willing to awaken the reality of the battle that is raging all around us. We must be a part of the age-old war on truth. You and I must be a part of it. We cannot just always turn a blind eye. We cannot just say, well, that's okay. Well, you know, this is just what our society says. Well, this is, a, this is just what, this is what churches are teaching. Today. No, 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 no. We've got to be willing to stand where... God draws lines and clear lines. I've already taught, I don't know how many weeks it was, 10, 12 weeks on glorifying God in the gray areas. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about clear-cut things where you and I can go to Scripture and we can say, thus saith the Lord. We've got to, we've got to stand on those things. Okay? We doing all right? Okay. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> and then let me say fourthly here this morning, truth is absolute. It's not relative. It's an unshakable reality, completely protected from all subjectivity. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. I like this. All truth comes from God and is the immovable tower standing above the shifting sands of human reason. It's good. Let me say that again. All truth comes from God and is the immovable tower standing above the shifting sands of human reason. Absolute truths, they're, they're the bedrock of every essential Christian doctrine. The creation of the world, the fall of man, these are, these are literal historical events. Christ's life, His death, His resurrection, they, they all actually happened. Our eternal fate, it hinges on the exclusive and non-negotiable truths that Jesus Christ preached. Do you realize that when Jesus was in the upper room in John 14 with his disciples. He's getting ready to die. And what did he say? He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Thomas is like, eh, we don't know exactly where you're going. We don't know how to get there. And Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And one just fell swoop. I mean, one just, one just major statement. The Lord himself ruled out every other possibility of finding eternal life outside of him. Wow! How can he make that statement? Because he's God, right? Because he is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. And he just literally just like, whoop! All those other relative ways. Well, you know, I... I think that I can get to heaven this way. And well, I think I can get to heaven by not doing this or, you know, by worshiping that and things like that. Jesus says, no, all of that will not lead you to heaven. Only I will. And God's word describes all true Christians as those who, ah, you're not there anymore. I'll just read it. John 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you who can finish it. Free. And the truth shall make you free. The truth is not some vague destination at the end of a mystical quest. God expects His people to know His truth with certainty. 
And so my desire over the next, I don't know how many weeks it's going to take, I don't even know, I wrote a list of topics that I want to do, and I ran them by, you know, uh, some people. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to go here, I'd like to go here, I'd like to go here. And I'm just telling you, sometimes, hey, we might, we might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's okay, right? Please tell me that's okay. Because <laughs> what we're doing is we're, gonna, we're just, we're just going to go to the Word, and we're going to look at specifically. This one is kind of kind of like an overview of different types of things. It's like, so what we're going to look at going on is the truth to be able to attack the lies that are totally shaping the world around us. God's truth is our ultimate weapon against the lies of relativism. Uh, that's a hard word to say. But it's working. Yeah, you know, whatever's relative to you, whatever you think is okay, we've got to we've got to come out from that and we've got to test, we've got to test the spirits. We've got to we, we, we've got to see whether they be of God or not. And uh, you and I, we have the ultimate uh, the ultimate truth in us in the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be able to help us to know uh, what is right and what is wrong. And so these lies that we're going to look at, the first lie was, hey, believe whatever you want. It's shaping our world. It's shaping churches. I mean, there's this, it's crazy uh, the, things that, uh, the, the things that churches are saying today. There are churches, I mean, and, and it's crazy. They're saying you don't have to, this is like a new, this is like, like new catchword in churches. You don't have to believe to belong. And they're talking about, you don't have to believe to be a part of the family. I know what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do, they're trying to say, hey, all are welcome because when you get here, you're going to hear the truth. But it's so dangerous to say, hey, no, you don't have to believe to be part of the family. Well, what family are you talking about? You're talking about the body of Christ? Uh, we have to believe, amen? Absolutely. And so we've got, to be, we, 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 we've got to be cautious. And so you pray for me, and I will pray for you as we... Uh, as we embark on some of these things that that the, Satan is crafting lies. And man, the world, and if we're not careful, the church, just taking things hook, line, and sinker. And we want to take each of those and come back to a absolute truth, not just a relative truth, and back to the Word of God and flush those things out. So uh, I look forward to this as we kind of head into the summer uh, months here. And, uh, what God is going to do. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll have a we'll, we'll have a nice break before church. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord. For-